Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Michael Gonzalez Wallace with me. He is the CEO of Super Body, Super Brain. Michael was featured in 25 media outlets. He's also a national speaker. Welcome. Hello, George. How are you? I'm fine, thank you, and thank you for being here, Michael. Thanks for having Tell, me. Yeah, tell me how and why you started Superbody, Superbrain, and what were you doing prior to it? Um, yeah, so right now I'm in the exercise and fitness field, but my background was a little bit different. Um, I played semi-professional basketball in Spain and then went to um, school for economics, and was an investment banker for three years in Spain. And then I came to the United States, and then I went from investment banking to fitness and started as a personal trainer, and little by little, I started growing my business step-by-step, step, brick by brick, like, you know, they tell you how, you know, all the success stories happen in New York. They don't, You don't start from the top, you start from the bottom. So my bottom was, handing out flyers and little by little and I started going up and up so um, I guess that why did I decide to do a super body super brain company see I just want to say first that super body super brain is my company my brand but it was not always the first name you know super body super brain it was I started with different programs different exercise programs and then at the end of the third brand, I got to the point where it was a, a program called Superbody, Superbrain, and it turned into a book. And, and why is that? Why, why, why is this the third brand? Why wasn't it the first or uh, the second? Well, that's a good idea. Uh, that's a good question. And like, I think like every single big brand that you see out there, and basically they don't, they don't get it. They don't get their right name at the beginning. You know, you start. My first name, it was a name called NMPSC, that stands for Neuromuscular Progressive Strength Training Program. Then that evolved to a second brand and company called the Brain Muscle Workout. I was getting it close. And the third one, it was evolved to Super Body, Super Brain. So what I'm trying to say is that some of the companies, when they come up with their own branding and even the name of the product, Sometimes it's very difficult to get it right, and I think I think my journey explains a little bit that sometimes at the beginning you don't get it right, and there's a point where the brand has seen the development and the journey of other you know of the same brand but a different name, until you get a really solid name with a solid platform you know and in my case I had a national book, but all of them basically represent the same. It was an exercise program based on the brain and the body. But, uh, you know, from the branding perspective, I think that's an interesting question for your listeners is that, you know, sometimes uh, branding takes a long, long time. And and it's okay to change, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, totally, yeah. I think some people may hang on to something a little bit longer than they should, don't you think? Exactly, exactly. And, and, and I think... You know, like a lot of people probably, they they know passionately that that's what they represent, their brand. But at the beginning, I was not working with professionals. I was working by myself. 
And when you work, when someone works on by themselves, sometimes we see reality in different ways, and also a lot of creative and innovative people. So, and I think there's a point where when I started developing my program, and then other people started believing in me, like a publisher, like magazines and stuff like that. They start really kind of, um, you know, telling you, you know what, your brand is going this direction. And I think you have to come up with a name for that. And then is when I came up with the, with the right name. And like you say, I think don't expect that you're going to be building a Coca-Cola or a Pepsi or Apple in the first brand. All these brands that although we have the last name now, when they started, they were not Apple, Coca-Cola, and Pepsi. You know, And I think that's exactly what the brand journey means is that you are little by little getting it better and better and better until just there's a point where you feel that something really represents what you're trying to convey. Now, were you always open to that feedback? Because you mentioned, you know, people that were saying, you know, your brand is going this way, so you need to go with it. Uh, were you resistant to that at all? Or were you always all ears about this? I was always, you know, I think that there's a really good saying that, you always have to listen to the to the consumer to the end consumer and and i i was always open to this i was open to this i remember that at the beginning uh, when I, I started coming up with a program called nmpst and and basically people would say well how do you say that how do you pronounce that is very difficult you know and i said you know what you're right you know i can't even pronounce it myself and and then that evolved when i went to the brain muscle work i said wow this is really so nice and then when the publisher wanted to publish a book about this my agent said what are you trying to do here is like a super body super brain program and then is when i decided and realized you know what you're right and then as I jumped into that concept, but to be honest, you know, three brands, three different companies, three different websites, three different clothings, three different trademarks, you name it, until you get the right one. So, and I feel that this is the right one. Yeah. This one's with uh, the last 30 years. Yeah, I mean, it's a great brand. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Now, you mentioned earlier uh, starting out by handing out flyers. Yeah. And, and now you're at the point with your business as as I mentioned earlier in the intro you know you've been featured in media and all that so how do you go from handing out flyers which is a great way to start although a lot of people don't really have the uh the courage to do it yeah. to being featured in in A-list publications that that you have what advice do you have for other entrepreneurs to get that kind of coverage um i i think for i think my advice it was that and I think that was something that I, I, I experienced when I was handing out flyers is that, you know, I was working investment banker. I was in institutional sales when I was in Spain, came here, was wearing suits, cufflinks, initials in my shirts. And then suddenly it was a very bad timing. I came, you know, with, with six months after the towers um, went down. So it was a lot of uncertainty in the market, but I did not want to go back to Spain. I wanted to stay here. And if I had to start from zero, I would start from zero. And I went to a top college and everything, but I didn't care. So I think there's a point when you were, when I was handling the flyers, you see yourself, wow, I'm able to do this, that I thought I was never, ever, ever going to be able to do this. And you're able to do it. And you realize that you're in New York. 
you're doing something that not in, the, in your worst nightmare. When I was in college, I would end up doing it, and you actually do it. It is someone you have this incredible confidence in yourself, like say, well, the sky is the limit. And I remember mm-hmm. when I saw that, you know, you feel it, you know, you just feel it. it it's, it's a feeling that, you know, instead of whining and complaining and this, no, you always have to do the job that you do as best as you can, no matter if you're handing out flyers, no matter if you're cleaning machines like I did, no matter if you are, you know, like, a, you know, like, you know, waiter, doesn't matter. You always have to give the best that of your ability with any job. And because I think that's always been with me, to be honest. I think when I'm training clients and, and patients and I go to media magazines, they always tell me that, wow, there's something very humble about you. There's something very grounded about you. And I think, I think a lot has to do with those days of handing out flyers that, mm-hmm. you know, you really go down to those you know, do those days. I remember, like, you know, when I when I get invited now to speak in front of 2,000 people, like, in events, and so, are you nervous about this? I said, are you nervous? Are you kidding? This is kind of a dream for me, and I would always go back to those days that you are handing out flyers. Like, you remember those days? Well, this is fun, you know. Those days were hard. So, yeah, I guess that there's a point in my experience, in my field, that I had to share a message. And and I think here is, you know, I remember like I was reading this book and that I really recommended to a lot of people that, um, that you know, they're entrepreneurs. Um, and it is, it's called The Man Who Tapped the Secrets of the Universe. It's a very unusual book, you know, a very couple, like 30, 40 pages. But I remember that it really opened my my brain in different ways because it was almost like it goes through the story about this incredible sculptor, architect, and painter called Walter Russell. And and I think one of the main um, learning experiences that I had from him it was that I think when you when you put yourself aside and think about that you are not really the creator, but you are really the messenger, it really helps convey a message much better. Because a lot of, you know, I was having a lot of problems sometimes when I was an entrepreneur. I was having a lot of responsibility. Wow, this is something I created. What is that, you know? And I think when there's a point where I, I felt I was just a messenger of my own product, of my own brand, that I had to share a message. I had to, you know, help people. And I think there is where I think my brand took a different approach. And, and my customers appreciated me more. And, and there, there's a point where you share a message. You don't only want to train people. You want to go, you know, more. And there's where Oprah Magazine called me. And then Fox News called me because they thought my approach was very unique, very new, very different. And in my field... Uh, but, but what happened before Oprah Magazine called? I mean, something... I mean. Somehow, attention was drawn to you. What did you do to get that kind of attention drawn to you? Um, well, the thing is, one of my clients, one of my clients, she was the editor-in-chief of Oprah Magazine. So she was experiencing the program that I was creating for her. Very unique, very new, very kind of unusual program where it makes your brain think. But also, um, since I was creating this program, I was working with a neurologist from Colombia. So I think the client was feeling that, wow, this program is very, 
different from other programs. So I think that's how I got the attention from the editor-in-chief, to be honest. And, and she, when she published that article of Oprah, it was exactly that. She felt it was something very good. Okay. And, yeah. Yep. You know, in 2010, uh, you published your first book, Super Body, Super Brain. Yep. And tell me what writing this book uh, had done for your business. Uh, because, I mean, I think of books, uh, everybody should write one, you know, regardless yep. if you're an attorney or if you're, if you're, if you're a baker or whatever. But, but tell me what it did for your business. Um, and, uh, you know, did it, did it change your business at all? Yeah, absolutely. I think that my book took my brand to the my brand, my company to the next level by far. You know, like before, you, you know, I, I even you know. But having said this, I remember when you know publishers and they were not believing in me a couple of years ago. I, I took my twenty five thousand dollars that I made that I saved from my savings training people, and I went to Central Park and I did my own product. I did my DVDs because I believed in my program. And, you know, and probably, you know, I never got the money back from those DVDs, but it was all these concepts, it, it turned into getting into this book deal. And then when my book got published, it took my brand to the absolutely next level because not only speaking engagements, but national media, but also you have, oh, this is almost like religion, you know, you have a gospel, you know, you have a gospel where you basically explain your philosophy you explain, you know, you know the internal thoughts, the, all the thoughts, all the research that you're putting into a product, why you think it's good this product for people to try, and it really, like, I agree with you, George, that people, everyone should really write a book or a manual or, you know, think about think about religion how it works. You know, you have gospels, you have disciples, you have churches, you have businesses. So, so. You really need your own gospel, your own book that explains the, you know, what you're trying to convey with words. And, and I really agree because the good thing is that, and this is a very unusual thing, is that the publisher published a book with, with a concept, but it was my brand too. So at the end, it's like you publish a book about Coca-Cola. So it was a great kind of marketing strategy for me. Because, you know, I signed a 40,000 book international, okay, so my book can be read in China, India, Australia, UK, and it's about my brand. And now since my book is my brand, I took it to the next level where when I go now, I'm launching my program in Asia in five countries in a month, and, you know, it's about super body, super brain. That's yeah. my book's name, my company name, and my trademark, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, now you are in a very competitive market, yeah. which is also it's a great thing because it's also a huge market. But you manage to do what most cannot, which is to stand out, to build a brand that is 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 a, is a big brand, and a lot of businesses struggle with that. So, what is your advice on differentiating ourselves from all the others out there? What what have you done in your business that that made you stand out? Yeah, yeah, um, I think my I think they always say, the books always say this, right? You have to find your own niche. And my own niche is clear, it is the brain. You know, I have a niche in fitness world that is the brain. Not too many people speak about the brain. And when I started seeing changes with my clients and working with a neurologist, they weren't explaining me about the brain. And so number one, you have to find and identify your own niche. 
something that makes you different. But then it's not only that you have a different philosophy than your competitors. You need to have a different marketing strategy as well. Because what are you going to be? I, I was going to be competing with I don't know Julian Michaels, a huge trainer here, or Bob Harper, the Biggest Loser. No, you know what? Instead of going to celebrities to endorse my book or my program, I went to doctors. I wanted to really get their feedback since I was speaking about the brain. So the medical I brought in top medical doctors that I paid zero. And just to really help me understand how the brain works with movement and really endorse my program. So I went, you know, like I said, you need to find your own differentiation, your own philosophy that's different, but also a different, unique marketing strategy. See, I'm okay. not competing with other exercise programs because I have all these medical doctors involved. At the same time, I have the brain involved. So it's almost like a kind of an integrated approach where it's not only philosophy, but philosophy, marketing, and also how you deliver the message, right? Because I am not a doctor, but I'm conveying um, you know, knowledge that are endorsed, endorsed by doctors. And for example, when I go and give speeches about my program, I get everyone clapping and tapping and stuff like that. I don't give a speech like a normal prof professor because I'm not a professor. So I would say that, you know, uh, my biggest uh, learning experience it was exactly that. Find your own niche, why your product, your program is different, how is that going to help people in a different way than other giants that you're competing with, have a different, unique marketing strategy, but also have a different, unique delivery. You know, yeah. delivery meaning, you know, like that, like speaking engagements, or even when you speak about it, or when you go and pitch it. It has yeah. to be an integrated approach. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. You know, I, I think it is it is genius, and and you know, definitely uh, what you mentioned, finding the right niche, and even even the way you market, uh, differentiate through your marketing, and and, and to to get the yeah. doctors. I mean, everybody trusts doctors to to get them into this whole picture. Right. Uh, sounds sounds genius. Now, so far, it sounds everything went really really well for you, but there had to be some challenges. Tell me a big mistake that you made or maybe one of the biggest mistakes that you made that we can learn from. Um, well, I think the biggest uh, mistake that I, I kind of revealed myself at the beginning, it was that sometimes the brand doesn't get the right name at the beginning. And I had to face it. I had to face it that probably I was wrong in, you know, in coming up with a name that, you know, it was not good enough in a way. You know, it was not good enough. Because believe it or not, although you – see, the problem, George, I think at the end with a lot of entrepreneurs that we are dealing with is that I was the marketing – head of marketing. I was the head of content. I was the head of creator. So we are doing everything, right? And at yeah. the end, there's some times where you just cannot do everything. You need to have somebody that knows, oh, this is how you should market it. This is how – and the problem, I never had that. You know, I always was there by myself. So I guess that I learned a lot from the experience of, of the experience of um, not getting the right brand name at the beginning. And to be honest, um, I think um, success. Yeah, I've had success in, this, in, in the in the in the sense of I've got a lot of attraction. I've sold over twenty five thousand books, stuff like that. But I think now is when really for me I'm living a dream because I never. I never dreamt that far from Asia, 
they were going to call me to launch my program in five countries. You know, yeah. I never thought that, you know, I'm going to have super body, super brain in India, Malaysia, Singapore, in Spain. I have 15, you know, trainers selling the program. I never thought this in a million, million years. So for me, I think that's one of the most incredible things that, you know, that, you know, that you can see is like how people can really represent your program, you know, sell your program and take it to a different stage. I remember like one friend of mine asked me, asked me once, have you ever thought, because they've been doing, they've been seeing how I changed from banking to fitness and they always ask me like, you know what, um, Michael, have you ever considered to have a plan B or plan C if this doesn't work? If, are you going to go back to banking or fitness, uh, back to banking or something like that? And, and I remember like when you're working so hard in your own company, in your own entrepreneur, and it's almost like you're, you're by yourself in the desert. You're by yourself and you're dealing on your own thoughts, sometimes crazy, sometimes not. You feel lonely. You're by yourself and you keep going forward. And I remember my answer to this person was like, look, in my mind, there's not a plan B or a plan C or a plan D. There's only one plan, and that is A. What I don't know is how big the A is. Yeah. Now, you have built a, a membership business, Superbody, superbrain.com yeah. is a membership website. Yeah. Yeah. And I think everybody would love to have a membership business. Yeah. So uh -huh. w w uh, at what point did you realize in your business that that's the way to go? <laughs> so, yeah, um, I've been, you know, always thinking about this for a long, long time. Like, you know, I really see one of the main main ideas is that I was training our like, you know, a few clients of mine. They said to, they even pitched. I always was thinking about it, but I never really knew how to do it. And, you know, I was fortunate enough that one of my clients that works with Bill Gates and he's in the DNA business, he told me, you know what, let's go do a business plan about this. And he asked me, okay, you want to do a membership online. Okay, what is that? Instead of paying $100, how much would you pay? Oh, 25 Wow. That is a value proposition. So first, you have to start with a value proposition. Like, you know, is it going to be clear that with, through an online membership, you're really going to offer something cheaper, you know, because it's online. It's not that you're really there. You say, yes, okay, what is the service that you're offering? In my case, it was personal training. Okay, personal training, instead of charging $100, you're going to be charging $20, $25 a month. Okay, that's a value proposition. That's a really good proposition. Okay, now how do you do it? And then is when you basically have to create your own platform of people really wanting to train with you, really wanting to work with you, and then you kind of develop a new website that I'm going to be launching in, in a month. The website is right now there. It's an old website. So the new website, is it's about a few weeks. We're doing the beta testing now. So what I, you know, what I didn't know is that to have a really decent membership site, you really need to invest money. So it was almost like a $60,000 project where the investors wanted me to put, you know, $12,000 to be honest. So they wanted me to be to put to be part of it, but they were able to really see, you know, that it could be a good business plan in that sense. And 
And what are some of the challenges as well? I mean, it oh. makes sense. You have recurring revenue, which is a great way to build a business. Right. But there must be some challenges oh, uh, aside from the technology oh, to absolutely. make it work. Absolutely. Huge, huge challenges. And I think the first one is how do you convince the client of a new product? You know, because although people know me, oh, I'm a successful trainer, I wrote a book, I'm, I'm giving these speaking engagements. But, you know, it's a new product. How do you train someone online? And number two, and this is what we're trying to make it extremely different, the website, is that there are a lot of websites offering their trainers and online, blah, blah. And what they do really is that they don't have the personal touch. So we're trying to do the personal touch, like me personally emailing people, me personally, not having a machine, sending them exercises and diets. No, it's me personally working with the client. So... I think that in this world of ours that we're living now, that we feel that everything is very not personalized. Like, you know, you can order online, you know, without even having to talk to somebody. So, you know, we're trying to make it different in that sense. And having a value proposition that people will really save money, but also having that personal touch. My challenges are going to be huge in the sense of, like I said, convincing um, the customer of a new product that is online personal training, but also um, to really um, to really get the client, you know, hooked to it. You know, like see, one of the things that I'm seeing, George, and what's interesting is like to build a successful personal training business is very difficult. Most of the trainers that you talk to, they say, "Well, I work in gyms. I have some clients on the side." Blah blah. Look, I worked with 15 clients the whole year. That's it. I've been working with the same clients for the last 10 years. How do you build these clients so they do not leave? Mm -hmm. So that's going to be one of the biggest challenges for the online membership is like how do you build not a two-month membership, not a one-year membership, but also a membership that will last for life. And that's how I'm trying to, to transfer I think the knowledge um, of my recurring business to this online membership where you not only you give a great customer service, but also you're really trying to help them. And I think this, this word is key. You know, I think peop, when you do things for money in a way, I know that we all do things for money at the end, right? But I think pe when you do only things for money, money is your driver, the customer knows it. And they would work with you for a limited time. If they feel that you're passionate about what you do, if they feel that you really love what you do, they feel, well, this guy, yeah, I have to pay him, but, you know, money's not his driver. I'm going to stay with him forever. And I think it's a, it's a very fine line how do you charge for a product, but also how, you know, knowing the client that money is not your driver, right? That yeah. you're really sincerely trying to help them. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, obviously you're a, you're a successful entrepreneur, but what if somebody came to you, maybe a friend or a family member that has a job now, but they say, you know what, I, I, I saw your success, I want to become an entrepreneur too. What would be the first thing that you would teach them? <laughs> um, well, I would teach them that's great. I think, I think it is phenomenal. And I will give all the encouragement that I can. I will tell my story, you know, kind of half of it, 
because probably if I told my story the full of it, I would turn them off. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, um, so basically I would tell them, you know what, I think you have to share a vision, you know, um, you know, have a philosophy, have a work ethic. I think it's very important. See, I think the entrepreneur, one of the biggest um, challenges that they face is, is that, okay, I want to create something. I want to be on my own. But, you know, I think being on your own means that you are on your own. You are by yourself. It's hard to not have a schedule. It's hard to not have a structure. It's hard to not, be a, to not have a boss. So I think it's very important that the vision, what you're really passionate about, it has to be your driver. That is your that is the most important part of I think being an entrepreneur. The vision in really what you're trying to do. You know, more than oh I have to make money here and there, okay? Because if your vision is strong, if you know where you're going, you know, okay, let's go back to the Bible, okay? Moses, it was the biggest entrepreneur of all. The first one, right? He convinced everyone that had to get out of Egypt to find their own promised land. And how he convinced them, it was not because of money. He convinced them because of a vision. And I think that vision is a powerful tool the entrepreneur has to attach to it. And it's almost like a baby, right? That It's your baby and you have to convince people what we, where you're heading to. Okay. Yep. I only have two more questions. I know we're getting to that 30-minute mark, but I just have two more questions. Uh, one, how do you deal with the roller coaster ride of entrepreneurship? I think for some, and I know even for me, I've been in business for over 10 years. I own multiple businesses myself, uh -huh. uh, and it's not easy. You know, even today, you know, there is the ups and downs. And you have done a lot of successful, a lot of great things with your business, but I'm sure not every day is a walk in the park. How do you deal with it? Yeah, um, I think that, you know, that I'm saying you're really hitting, you know, the home run with that question because, to be honest, to be an entrepreneur, number one, okay, the entrepreneurs normally, they don't come up, you know, with investors investing $100,000 in their business, okay? They come up with an idea. They come up with a message. So in my case, it is very important that you have a bread and butter job, a job that pays your bills. You know, because I think it's going to put less pressure on your other business in a way. And in my case, they were two related in the sense that, you know, I was doing personal training, but I also wanted to create a personal training empire. So, but, you know, it would, it would take me longer, but in, in the sense that I was not feeling that pressure, you know, all the time. Because I think that if you have people investing in, in your company and, you, and your company does not give the returns as expected – you know, you're going to feel very pressed on things. So I think one of the most important things is to have a bread and butter job that pays the bills. And then on your hobby time, you do this. On your free time, you're an entrepreneur. Now, can that develop and evolve into full-time entrepreneurship? Sure, you can. You have money saved. Why not put it all there? But in my case, it helped me a lot to have a bread and butter job. Okay. Okay. Um, do you have any last word of, of wisdom for someone that either has something that's a, a, a mildly or fairly successful business, but they want to go to the next level, or somebody just wants to start out? Um, I, I will say that, you know, going back to that book, um, 
I think it's very important to not only have a vision, but also think about you as a messenger. You are really conveying a product, a philosophy, a way of life, and you really were you really want to share a message. You really want to share a message and convince people about your message and how can you know these help. So I think at the end, it's a very simple concept for a lot of entrepreneurs is that try to envision yourself. Look, look back when you are 90 years old, you get to 90, right? Like, wouldn't you want to leave a legacy? Wouldn't you want to leave something that will last for time? Well, for that, you really need to think about what this world needs that you have or you can contribute to make it a better place to be. So I think that applies to exercise, but I can apply to technology. I can apply to anything. I think at the end, we're trying to make things easier for people. And the same way that I'm trying to come up with an exercise program from doctor perspective that's going to help them understand better the brain, but also extend their life, I'm trying to help people. And I think everyone that comes out, even with a product, the people that create Dropbox, aren't they trying to help people? So at the end, you have to find that fine-tuning and do not let money be your driver. Okay. that can get a little bit trapped there, so... Yeah, and the money is not enough to motivate, I think, for exactly. most people. Exactly. I think, I think when you're an entrepreneur, I think you're more in love with the vision than with the money, right? The yeah. money will come later. He says yeah. it's, it's a kind of a passion. You have to find – I remember like what Donald Trump said once is that how do you know if you find the right job is that think about yourself working on that job for free for a year. Would you be able to do it? And if, you're, if your answer is yes, maybe you find the right job for you. And my answer it would be yes. Yeah, of course I have to pay my bills, but I would totally work for free, you know. And I think the entrepreneur, that's exactly what we do because we know what is to work for free. For sure we do. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, well, that's, that's great advice. Now, on, on that note, tell me how can people connect with you? Yes, so people can connect with me and they can email me at Michael at superbodysuperbrain.com, or, you know, they can give me a call, 646-251-4763. I will be more than happy to help. Well, Michael, thank you very much for sharing the story behind Superbody Superbrain. Make sure you check him out at superbodysuperbrain.com. Michael, thank you very much for sharing your story. Thanks so much, George, and congratulations for, for this inspirational message that you have. So thank you. Thank you.